As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. This program contains preaching and teaching from an Orthodox Christian perspective to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ and to be victorious in Him. Well, good morning. Doing a little differently today. We're going to take a little break from uh, going straight into the Liturgy of the Faithful and like to talk to you just a little bit this morning about what today is in the orthodoxy. Uh, we are bound by a liturgical calendar, and the, and the Orthodox Church gives us a journey to go on as the mother of, of, of us all, the church, I guess you could say, uh, that they help us and they guide the, the laity, the, the clergy, uh, put us on a journey to prepare us for something very profound that we will celebrate uh, in a few short weeks the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that every day in our heart, I hope, His resurrection. But you think about the act of the resurrection of taking dead flesh and giving it immortality by the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus Christ. And our gospel reader, or writer Luke, was very, being a physician, was very appropriately wrote the words of his last hours as Jesus, the man and God on this earth, when they thrust the spear into his side, and Luke accounts that out came blood and water showing a death had occurred because that has to happen. The blood separates itself. And you know that first. So there's no question in our minds. And by faith, we believe he died and was buried and rose on the third day. One of the 
key elements of our faith, as we say in the creed. But today, we remember John Climacus. Who? I said John Climacus. Or, in the Orthodox Church, we call him John the Latter. This may sound foreign to everybody, but in my studies of the Orthodox faith, this one saying, today we celebrate his day. I have just a, a little paragraph on the life of John I'd like to read to you to give you a better understanding. Our venerable father John lived during the reign of Emperor Justinus, the younger, who was Justinian's nephew around 570 A.D. When he was 16 years old, he received experience in the general and external philosophy. Since then, he offered himself to God as a most holy sacrifice. So he ascended Mount Sinai and lived in obedience under an elder. He was 19 years old. He left his elder and moved to the stage of solitude, living as far as five marks away from the church of the Skeet on Sinai. The name of that place was also called Tholus. This blessed man spent 40 whole years there. Every day he burnt with fervor, fervent love for God. He used to eat from every kind of food which monks are allowed to eat, but only in small quantities. Being discreet, he did this most wisely in order to crush the horn of pride, which disturbed him with the thought that he was different from the rest of the monks, unless he ate. Who could talk about this well of tears that the eyes of this blessed man shed? He used to sleep very little, and even did this so not to harm his mind with extreme vigils. His whole life was a continuous and unceasing prayer and incomparable love for God. He acquired every virtue, and having lived virtuously, he was made worthy of God to see great visions and foresee things before they happened. So when his disciple slept under a rock that was going to fall on him and smash him, the saint foresaw this with the grace of the Holy Spirit. As he was sitting in his cell, he appeared in his disciple's dream and waking him up, saved him from death. When he reached the extremes of virtue, he became abbot of the monastery on Mount Sinai. Then he left this transitory life and departed for the eternal one. Before he died, he wrote that book of wisdom which comprises of 30 divine and spiritual ascents, or steps, this is why they're called the ladder, L-A-D-D-E-R. And I have this today to hand out to you all, that paragraph I just read, plus I have the, the steps of ascent for you to take home tonight or this afternoon. These are just titles of all the 30 ascents. Renunciation of the world, detachment, exile or pilgrimage, Blessed and ever-memorable obedience, painstaking and true repentance, on remembrance of death, on joy-making mourning, on joy-making mourning. Sounds almost like an antithesis there, doesn't it? On freedom from anger and meekness, on remembrance of wrongs, on slander or calumny, or talkativeness and silence, on lying, on despondency, on that clamorous mistress, the stomach, on incorruptible purity and chastity, on love or money or avarice, on non-possessiveness that hastens one heavenwards, 
on insensibility, on sleep, prayer and psalmody, with the brotherhood, on bodily vigil and how to use it to obtain spiritual vigil, on a manly and peril cowardice, on the many forms of vainglory, on mad pride and unclean blasphemous thoughts, on meekness, simplicity, and guileness, on the destroyer of passions, most sublime humility, on discernment of thoughts, passions, and virtues, on holy stillness of body and soul, on holy and blessed prayer, concerning heaven on earth or godlike dispassion and perfection, concerning the linking together of the supreme trinity uh, among the virtues. Those are the 30 steps of ascent. Step 27. This is an expansion of step 27 on discernment of thoughts, passions, and virtues. The lessening of evil breeds abstinence from evil. And abstinence from evil is the beginning of repentance. And the beginning of repentance is the beginning of salvation. And the beginning of salvation is a good resolve. And a good resolve is a mother of labors. And the beginning of labors is the virtues. The beginning of the virtues is a, is a flowering. And the flowering of virtue is the beginning of activity. And the offspring of virtue is perseverance and the fruit and offspring of persevering practice is habit, and the child of habit is character. Good character is the mother of fear, and fear gives birth to the keeping of commandments, in which I include both heavenly and earthly. The keeping of commandments is a sign of love, and the beginning of love is an abundance of humility, and an abundance of humility is a daughter of dispassion, and the acquisition of the latter is the fullness of love. That is to say, the perfect indwelling of God in those who through dispassion are pure in heart, for they shall see God. And to Him the glory for all eternity. Amen. That is an extract from step 27. So you can see, just the one step, there's so much meat in each line that John wrote that it would probably take you a long time to even obtain this. I don't know anybody that can run this ladder, including myself. But this man was given the gift to write this ladder of spiritual ascent. We sung today in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This man apparently saw God and was given visions and dreams to even save his brother, monk, or his disciple. That was to perish under a falling rock. So today, since I have read to you about John Climacus, John the latter, the theme I feel that he spoke of was repentance. And since we are in Lent, and we have uh, about three more weeks to go in this Lenten season, that this would be a good subject for me to expound on today. And I pray that the Holy Spirit take these words and place them in your heart this morning to bear much fruit for Christ. Amen. Repentance. 
It says in the Proverbs 28, verse 13, He who conceals his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes his sin will find compassion. And that's a promise from the Lord. Do we believe the Lord? Do we believe what he says is true? And it is from the book of wisdom. Wow. See, I see an attitude there that he is placing in front of us. That we can make a choice. We can choose to repent or not. It's up to us. We, I guess, are the captain of our ship to a point. We can make bad choices or good choices. Listen to what Nehemiah has to say. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the Gentiles. See, he's talking about the church. He's talking about his sheep, his elect, his called out ones. How do we become unfaithful to the Lord? By not being faithful. That's pretty easy. In little things or in all things? In all things. Even jot and tittles, I guess we're talking about. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, I will bring you to me saith the Lord. What a wonderful promise. In Psalm 51, the sacrifice to God is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, Thou will not despise. So, if you want to bring a sacrifice to the Lord, there it is. A broken spirit and a contrite heart. He will not reject. God is giving us the answers to our dilemma. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, there's a group out there that believes they don't sin. So Jesus hasn't come for them. But to us, who acknowledge that we sin daily by the weakness of our flesh, thoughts, words, and deeds, He's come for us. He is the the doctor, the great physician, the healer of our soul and our body, as it says in Scripture. Acts chapter 3. Repent. It reminds me of John the Baptist. Didn't he say that? Repent. Repent. He even told Herod to repent. And it cost him his head. Served on a silver platter. I don't believe Herod enjoyed that act. But he was trapped, made a promise, and he couldn't back down because he would lose faith or face with his peers. Repent. Therefore, return that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, the presence of the Lord unless you're repenting, it's not there. If you want the presence of the Lord with you in times of refreshing, there must be repentance. There must be a a turning directions, of walking a different path. Like John Climacus gave up his whole life to be an austere monk. I'm not saying for us to be monks. I'm not saying for us to, to junk all this and walk into the desert. But I tell you what, I bet you God blesses that. 
He blessed John, the latter. In Psalm 24, there are some requirements. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The question is, who? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? And who can stand in his holy place? Who? He who has a clean, who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. What does it mean to have clean hands? Clean hands. It says lift up holy hands unto the Lord. Clean hands are all your deeds forgiven. A pure heart. A pure heart is the inward examination of your motives. That's what I love about the Lord. He has a way of looking on the heart of each person. As the prophet went to Jesse and looked for the next king of Israel, found David to be one after God's heart. So, as we've said in this ministry time and time again, it's of the heart. God looks upon the heart of each person and judges them accordingly. So we don't try to hide anything in our heart because guess what? God sees it. That's pretty simple to me. You can't fool God. I mean, you can fool people, but you can't fool God. Second Timothy chapter two verse nineteen. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness pretty plain to me. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now what are these things worth to abstain from? Flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Here we go again, with a pure heart. Unless you have a pure heart, you will not see God. In Luke chapter 15, remember the story about the prodigal son. We read this in 
the Orthodox Church a few weeks ago, prior to the Triadeum, our beginning of Lent, the Triadeum being the ten Sundays before Resurrection Sunday. But you do know that there are the, the steps of repentance are revealed in the prodigal son. It's almost interesting. It's eight steps. Eight being what in the scripture? The new beginning. Isn't that wonderful that God could give us a new beginning? That he takes us on a journey of repentance. Let's see the steps. And a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them, he said to the father, Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. And when he... And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent them, sent him unto his fields to feed swine. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one had, was giving anything to him. But when he had came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So the steps of repentance, of the prodigal, we can apply in our lives. First, he came to his senses. He saw who he'd become, incompatible with God, not on the same agenda or program as God, a wavelength that was not the same wavelength. He remembered how good it was and where he should be and how he should be. A identity problem there, I see. Sadness. He realized he hurt his father and he had broken fellowship. See the steps of repentance? That's number three. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance with, without regret leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's two kinds of repentance here. The repentance that leads to death, which is of the world, but there's a, there's, there's a sorrow of God, that you, a godly sorrow that leads to salvation. That's what the prodigal experienced in step three. Step four, he made a decision. I will. See, that's where it starts. In your will. You have to say to your will, I will. I will. Not I won't, but I will. I will ascend to the hill of the Lord because I will have clean hands, a pure heart. 
He had direction. He has just established a direction after he made the I will. I will do this. I will go back to my father. He came to his father and did what? Step six, he confessed. Confessed. He agreed with the father on his mistakes. Number seven, did his father reject him? He was accepted by his father. Does God accept you or reject you? I see that Jesus says 70 times 7 forgive. If he spoke that into existence, it means he's under it too. There is healing in the Lord. And the eighth step of repentance and a new beginning. What did they do after he got back in town and he confessed to his father what he had done wrong? What did his father do for him? They got a meal, didn't they? They had a meal. They killed the fatted calf. And today, we are going to have a meal. We call it the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our covenant meal. The fact of that is revealed in 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's the fact of sin. Sin can happen to a Christian. But what is our standard? What is the standard that God has called us to as Christians to be children of what? The light or the darkness? But we should walk in the light as He Himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That is a our standard that we hold to. That we are children of light, not darkness. That we walk in the light and that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. Now, the fact of the matter is that Christians can sin, that we have a standard that we've been told that we should walk in the light. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a prevention plan for sin? Psalm 119.11 Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Step one. The word of God ever reading the Word of God and loving the Word of God and putting it deep into your heart will keep you from sinning against the Lord. Step two, the intercessions of Christ. Do you believe that Christ is interceding for you before the throne of grace? 
in John 17:15, the great intercessor prayer that Jesus spoke before he was betrayed by Judas and hauled off to the Sanhedrin. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from evil, from the evil one, is a more correct verse or translation. Jesus is not taking us out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. What's the penalty for sin in a Christian's life? First penalty. Loss of fellowship. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. See, we practice the truth. It's an ongoing thing. Our theosis, our ongoing salvation process to be children of the light and walk in the truth and practice the truth. Another penalty could be church excommunication. Well, that sounds pretty severe. Well, the people in the church of Corinth, let's see what Paul says to them. In the name of the Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of of our Lord Jesus Christ, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that he might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty a pretty hard prayer. I wonder about Ananias and Sapphira when they walked in were slain. Did they make it to heaven? Did God kill them in the flesh because they lied against the Spirit of God? and still obtain salvation by not being a bad witness anymore, stopping their lives, their earthly lives, so they, their spirits could be saved? I don't know the answer to that question. It's just a thought. Chastisement would be a penalty of, for sin, unrepented sin. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines, and He scourges every son whom He receives. So that's guaranteed that we're going to get disciplined by the Lord. I'm glad he does. If you're not getting disciplined by the Lord, then I would wonder if I'm of the Lord. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and scourges every son, as it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. Sometimes physical death occurs because of Christian sin. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may be condemned, not condemned, along with the world.
So what is the remedy for sin? I'll close with this last verse. Well-known, well-read, trampled-on Scripture that we don't forget ever before our, our eyes. The remedy, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is my encouragement to you today for repentance. I don't care how big or how little the sin is. It's still sin before God. I don't care if you steal a quarter from your mom. When you're a kid, it's stealing. It says in the Word of God that what we're supposed to do in Colossians that everything we do is supposed to be done for the glory of God. And I would like you to think about this the next time we get involved with the tempter and he tries to draw you off the path of righteousness and put you into a box called unrighteousness. Do you think about this? If you would capitulate to that sin... If Jesus was standing right next to you, would you sin if Jesus was standing right next to you? You say, well, heck no. Oh, I got something news for you. He's living in you. He's right there with you. So when you're involved in that, you're involving Him in that. Thank you very much. And that must hurt and tear the heart of God out. We are to live holy lives. We are above this worldly crap out there. We all make mistakes and thank God that we have confession, a sacrament that's not being practiced like it should in the Orthodox Church. God will not reject a broken spirit and a contrite heart. He loves His children. And He wants His children to be in agreement with His agenda and His plan. Oh, how it must tear the heart of God out when He sees His faithful walking on faithfully. And making every excuse in the book why it's okay. I tell you what, I can't make excuses anymore for sin. I'm not going to be like Cain. All he did is make excuses why he shouldn't get punished. He deserved to die. He killed his brother. You understand that? He killed somebody. And if you have anger towards your brother, you've killed your brother. Sin is a horrible thing. God, it killed Jesus. You know that what sin did. It killed Him. Your sin put Him there. My sin put Him there. I hate myself when I sin. I hate myself. I don't enjoy it. I throw myself on the mercy of the court. And I ask God that He's merciful and compassionate God. In these days of repentance that we're in, confessing our faults to one another, and I think that's very appropriate in this church. We have a tight little group here. We can confess our sins one to another, as it says in James. And I'll tell you about there's so much healing in that. I don't walk the path of righteousness all the time. 
And I know you all don't either because I read it today in Scripture that if we say we don't sin, the truth is not in us. And man, I want the truth. I want to make the Holy Ghost jump, the synapse, they call it, to heaven when the bugle blows, when Jesus says, Come up here. I want to hear that voice. I want Him to say, Come up here. I think it's appropriate now before we start the last part of this liturgy, the holy... This, this part of the liturgy is probably is the most important part of the liturgy because we actually recreate and commemorate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His last supper when He made covenant with His church and established the Lord's Supper. That we don't take this thing lightly. That it's that we believe the Scriptures that, man, if you don't take it right, you die. You're going to get very sick. And I believe that. That's holy and sanctified. And we believe that the Holy Spirit brings it to us. And, I, and I, Is that on the verge of blaspheming the Spirit of God? I don't know. But boy, I don't want to be charged with that one. Because if you blaspheme the Spirit of God, you're dead. You're gone. You can't even be prayed for. I know I've talked long this morning. But I tell you, I had to get... I had to tell you what's on my heart today. I want to be like John Climacus. John the Ladder. Maybe I can do that and not move into the desert. But we're already living in Egypt. Just go out there and poke around a bit and you'll see. And I'm surprised God hasn't put it all down and stopped it now. Because wickedness is arisen and is multiplying so fast. I think we ought to have confession right now. You don't think so? Thank you for listening to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. We hope this program has encouraged you to fight the good fight of faith and walk in the accordance with the commandments of our Lord. May God bless you on your journey to salvation. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.